the Biden presidency mean for the Empire State and the Big Apple? I'm Jarrett Murphy from CityLimits.org, and it is my high honor and distinct privilege to introduce to you my broadcast partner, the executive editor of Gotham Gazette, Ben Max. Well, that is quite a nice introduction, Jared. How are you today? Good. Well, I watched like seven hours of inauguration coverage today, so <laughs> everyone was introducing themselves like that, and I thought it was I thought it was pretty cool. I wanted to get in on the action. So yeah, well, if you'd like to swear me in, uh, I'm happy to take <laughs> the the oath of the program. Uh, yeah, quite a day. I mean, um, just a remarkable scene. Just two weeks after that um, mob stormed the Capitol to see. Uh, everything goes so smoothly with the transition and the transfer of power today to a new administration. Uh, just a sort of, you know, uh, amazing shift from the chaos that we've seen recently to a, a smooth sort of normal um, government exercise and, and a major one at that. That being said, you know, that's sort of the new normal. It, it was not quote unquote normal to see everybody up on the dais in masks and the social distancing in the crowd and a very small crowd at that limited because of the pandemic that's been raging for a year. So, um, you know, both a mix of a, of a somewhat return to a normal type of government event, uh, but of course, amid the, all the devastation and changes of the pandemic. Yeah, I, I was struck by the same thing, you know, as the crowd would be coming to the, the camera focus as the, the camera pulled back, you know, seeing a relatively sparse number of people uh, separated on lawn chairs, um, you know, and obviously the mall for the most part filled with flags, not people, um, was striking. I was reminded, of course, four years ago when uh, the former president was inaugurated uh, some dispute about crowd size and whether pictures were exaggerating or, or undercounting that size. Today, there was no question about the size of the crowd um, or the, you know, very, I'm sure inaugurations are typically well policed, but obviously a very visible and uh, very large security presence. Um, so, yes, obviously a, a strange day and a strange time for a president to be taking over. But um, but that being said, Biden is now the president for uh, just about five hours. And that's going to be kind of the focus of our show today, talking about what this means for New York City and New York State, um, particularly in the short term um, with the, the crises, the twin very much intertwined crises that confront the city and the state now of this pandemic and of the economic disaster that it has wrought. Indeed. And uh, we are now well into the, you know, the new year here. And when we turn the calendar, it's uh, sometimes a new class of elected officials like we see at the state level after state elections that just happened for the state legislature. Um, it's it's budget season, which kicks off really in New York and Albany. And then the city follows suit, um, you know, new agendas. It's the last year of the de Blasio administration, the last year of this class of city government. We have a major city election cycle going on, as, of course, our regular listeners know, because we've been talking to so many of the candidates, especially those seeking to become mayor or city controller. And uh, so, you know, there, there are huge budget holes at both the state and city levels uh, and a lot of puzzle pieces to figure out here. But with a new presidential administration in place, a new Congress that will be led by Democrats in both the House 
and the Senate, including with uh, a new Senate majority leader of New York senior Senator Chuck Schumer, which is an immense thing for the state of New York. Um, you know, it's a whole new year. It's a whole new ball game with major challenges that carry over from last year. We will be joined by the press secretary for Mayor Bill de Blasio. That's Bill Needhart. He's been the press secretary for just about six months, six pretty wild months for the city. I'm talking about how all of those issues translate down to the city level. Uh, obviously, the federal budget impacting the state, both of them impacting the city. And again, the disease itself and the vaccination program heavily dependent on federally generated supplies, federally controlled supplies, um, that becoming a major issue or already is a major issue for the city. We'll be discussing that with uh, the mayor's chief spokesperson, Bill Needhart, coming up. Uh, any other reactions, uh, Jared, to what we saw today out of Washington, D.C., and, and what you thought while watching this inauguration? Uh, you know, I, it's funny, like every every time I've watched one of these, um, you know, you're struck by the, the pageantry and, and some of it is obviously kind of a little bit full of hot air. But I, I must say it worked. I feel a little more optimistic um, about a few different things. I think that uh, there's a tremendous amount of work to be done. I think that uh, the well, it's still referred to him as Vice President Biden. President Biden referring to the fact that things might get worse before they get better, um, I think was a pretty stark warning, especially given the the very somber ceremony last night on the mall, remembering the 400,000 people uh, killed by this disease. Um, so I think that, you know, the president's speech was um, very Joe Biden. It was straightforward. It was not uh, lofty uh, uh, verbiage. But um, earnest and calm and uh, a little hopeful, um, wrapped in, you know, a commitment to truth and a commitment to mission, including the mention for the first time ever in a speech from that stage of uh, white supremacy. So I was impressed by that. I thought it was a very good speech. You know, it was very solid. Uh, it wasn't grandiose. I think it met the moment. And I think, you know, it's important to note that um, – you know, there was a lot of celebration on that stage today and around the country. For some, there was a lot of consternation, uh, you know, certainly among others, of course, we just had a very contentious election and, and the fallout from that. But also, it's just as you got at important to note that Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, the new Congress, you know, every everyone is taking over the federal government here in early 2021 at a moment of deep, deep crisis, uh, 400,000 plus Americans dead uh, after contracting the coronavirus. I think that number is probably a lot higher. And, you know, those numbers won't be confirmed for quite a while in terms of, you know, suspected cases and such. And really what they have to do is is an immense project of getting this virus under control, getting the vaccination program out, uh, dealing with the economic and financial ruin. Uh, the recently passed package will help. And they're talking about another big package. They have to get that to the finish line and so much more. So a lot to be seen out of the new administration, but certainly it was a turning of the corner uh, in in Washington, D.C. today. We're going to welcome to the airwaves Bill Needhart. He is the press secretary for Mayor Bill de Blasio. He became press secretary in July, and he's a veteran of Bernie Sanders' 2020 campaign, uh, where he was a national spokesperson and Iowa deputy state director. Before that, he worked for Senator Tammy Baldwin. Bill, welcome to Maxim Murphy. Hey, hey, first time, long time. Good to be calling in live from City Hall. Hopefully not the last time if you perform, you know, up to up to our standard. That's right. We're pulling for you. Ben has his doubts, but I'm I'm pulling for you. So you are as as your brief 
as your brief bio indicates, you are a, a political pro. You've you've seen a lot of speeches. You've probably written some speeches. You've probably seen your share mm-hmm. of inaugurations. Thinking about the events in Washington today, other than the obvious of security and, and COVID precautions, anything jump out uh, for you in terms of what you didn't expect or something that, that really struck you? Uh, you know what? I, I don't want to sound flip when I say it, but it's exactly what I expected and exactly what I was hoping for. Uh, we're coming off of four very tumultuous years. You need some unity. That is what Joe Biden ran on. That's what he beat the campaign I was working on. You know, his message was unity, healing, coming together. That's exactly what you saw on display today. Uh, and you know what? It it felt quite different from the American carnage speech that we heard four years ago. And it was refreshing. And I think we're off to a good start here. And, you know, just moments ago, Alongside the uh, the inauguration, you saw uh, Senator Schumer referred to for the first time as majority leader, and that's just a great thing to see as well. So good news all around. One of the things that um, that your, your boss, Mayor de Blasio, and others on the sort of left progressive wing of the party have have said over the years is that you know sometimes unity. Um, can mean moving too much to the center, too much compromise, mm-hmm. uh, leaving principles behind. When you hear what the former vice president, now President Biden, said, uh, any worries about that? Any worries we're going to be uh, too much focused on conciliation, not enough on the mission? So I think he delivered an important message when he, you know, really took an effort to heal a country that has lost so many people over the past year. I mean, it's just devastating when you just look back or you look today and you see how many deaths continue to rage across the country. So that's something that is necessary, something that that healing is what you absolutely need to see. But you're right. It's not just a Democrat in the White House. It's a Democratic majority in the Senate. It's a Democratic majority in the House. You have all three of those lined up. That is a moment to strike like no other to push progressive policies forward. And I think you're already seeing now that Biden sees that opportunity. He sees that moment. And frankly, he feels the pressure from progressives across the country. Uh, You know, we're seeing what he's going to do in the first 10 days here, uh, stopping the uh, Keystone XL pipeline. That's the kind of climate change focus that we need in Washington, that we've needed for decades. I think that signals that we, we're going to have partners in Washington who are going to push the ball forward, you know, and his, his stimulus package as well, I think, is something that uh, looks good on the whole. It's just all about keeping that pressure. So your boss, uh, Mayor de Blasio, spoke before the inauguration and the inaugural address, and he was speaking about a very practical issue, maybe the most practical issue facing the city right now, which is vaccine supply. And he said, and I'm quoting roughly here, starting as early as today or tomorrow, next day, we're going to get a whole clearer picture from the Biden administration of what kind of supply they'll be able to move. And that will obviously allow us to finalize some of our plans here in the city. What does New York City need to see from the Biden administration in terms of vaccines? And what kind of signals have you gotten uh, from the early moments and hours uh, of of the Biden era? Yeah, uh, it's a pretty stark reality that we're facing here in New York City. We set out a goal, uh, a really aggressive goal, 
to uh, get to a million doses by the end of this month. Um, we were tracking that. We set up weekly goals. You know, we we wanted to hit 175,000 doses last week. We got to over 200. That's the kind of ramp up that we wanted to see. We were surpassing it, and we're running out of supply. And what we need, frankly, from the federal government is for them to step up and get that supply to us, to cities across the country, to states across the country. Immediately what we're seeing, so they've already said they're going to be retooling Operation Warp Speed. That's exactly what needs to happen. Operation Warp Speed did not live up to the corny name that it had. Uh, It left tons of places just reeling, looking for where our next dose or our next uh, shipment would come from. You know, there was a Moderna shipment issue as well. Those hiccups are going to happen, but you need to know that the federal government is going to be there to smooth things out. So they also have this big plan to uh, do 100 million doses in the first 100 days. We, we are completely aligned on that front. You know, th- this is a, a vaccination effort where we need to move quickly. This is not something we need to take time with. Every day is more lives at stake. And we want to press that advantage when we can because we have this system set up where we can get a lot of doses into a lot of people's arms. It's just about the supply. They hear that message. We're looking forward to getting those shipments out. So what does that look like? And obviously people have referred to the Defense Production Act, um, you know, ways yeah, that the government yeah. can. And, and and so what does that mean? If, if Biden, by the stroke of a pen, says, OK, do that, what practically what's the timetable for us seeing that increased supply here in the city? It's obviously not something that can happen instantly, I'm assuming. Right. And I, I think you're getting at something here where you're saying, hey, he's a new president. This is the first day. How long are you going to feel the hangover of Donald Trump when it comes to our vaccination effort? Uh, I, I think that that hangover is going to be felt for for a few weeks, probably. Uh, we're, we're still trying to get a little more uh, a better visual of the, the horizon in front of us and just what exactly that looks like. You know, the Defense Production Act, you're talking about people that would you know, corporations that would be forced to start manufacturing the supplies that we need, that would take time. But there are other things they're doing now that are kind of further on in the supply chain to help get the uh, the doses that we need. And, you know, we've called on them to look to other places that aren't using doses as quickly. Um, there's, a, there's a big menu of things they can do to shake things up, move things quickly. They can also avoid kind of the original sins that the Trump administration committed when they laid out this plan or doses weren't necessarily given out uh, via uh, uh, population shares in different states. And, uh, you know, that stuff is going to take time to repair. Um, But we are talking about a really quick timeline here. And, And it's also on us, New York City. We want to be using every dose that we get as quickly as possible. So it's more of we got to keep showing them that when they send shipments, we're going to use them. We're going to use them quickly. We're going to do it right. And so you mentioned, obviously, you have this uh, goal, an aggressive goal here in the city of a million vaccinations in this month. And as I think you referred to, there was a ramp up. And now the city is, I think, about halfway there. Um, yeah. Yep. And now we've now we've hit this bottleneck. Um, was that goal of a million doses based on an increase in what we were getting from the federal government at the outset? Were you kind of banking on an increase uh, or are we not getting supply that we, you know, even based on what the Trump administration was doing, we thought we were going to get? 
Yeah, so the, when we first came up with that, we we really kind of we worked backwards. We saw the infrastructure that we had. You know, we, we launched with over 125 sites across the city. Uh, we saw the workforce that we had, you know, through H&H, Department of Health, and just all these affiliated physicians. Uh, we saw that we had a massive infrastructure to start, and we wanted to give ourselves a goal that was going to be really pushing us to iron out the problems, to make it as streamlined as, as possible, not to just dip our toes into this, but really press what we have and see what we got. We always knew it was going to be really dependent on two things. One, that federal supply, which you're, you're hitting on here. And then two, the ability to vaccinate more uh, populations. Because if you recall, in the beginning of this month, we really didn't have the freedom to vaccinate uh, some really willing and deserving people. Uh, you know, you're talking about frontline workers, you're talking about seniors. Um, the way that a vaccination campaign works is when, uh, you know, you bring in as many people who are not hesitant as possible to get this vaccine in many arms as possible. Because, you know, uh, herd immunity, uh, population immunity, it doesn't occur in small uh, pockets, right? You can't have community immunity within one hospital. You have to have it throughout the entire community. Uh, so we really wanted to expand those uh, groups that we could get vaccinated. That was part one. And then part two was make sure we get that federal supply. I will tell you right now, we have not been getting the federal supply that we need to reach that one million goal. That's just plain truth right there. And I think you can see that yourself when you look out and you see that we are rescheduling appointments um, at many Department of Health sites across the city. You know, if you had an appointment for this Thursday, we're asking you to uh, have that appointment instead be uh, the following Thursday. That's not how you get to a million. Uh, but the reason we had to do that was because you know, while we did get that freedom to vaccinate, we did not get the federal supply that we needed. So let's shift to the fiscal picture, obviously another big part of COVID's yeah. impact on the city and, and where the federal role might be very important. We were just speaking to Senator Kruger about the expectation, the hope for federal aid at the state level. Uh, the mayor unveiled his first uh, crack at a budget for fiscal year 2022, the preliminary budget last week. To what extent did um, uh, what kind of a federal aid picture figured into that document as an assumption? To what extent is the city looking to what Biden does with the stimulus bill and what Congress does with the stimulus bill? And are any of the projections or plans that the mayor laid out dependent on a particular version of that? Uh, really, the you know, when you get down to it, what do we need from Washington right now? We need shots and we need a stimulus. Uh, and in terms of the stimulus, it really comes down to with the budget that we put out last week, we have to balance our budget. We did. Uh, we, we made tough choices. Uh, we actually were thrown for a loop for the last second because we were, you know, looking at a, another billion dollar hole that we were trying to figure out. And then Chuck Schumer, getting ready to be uh, majority leader, called us up and said, hey, I got FEMA reimbursement 100 percent. That's something that we have been waiting on for months. And that alone gave us another billion to, to play with, if you will, in our budget. We didn't create a budget that was dependent on a stimulus. But we do have a recovery that's dependent on a stimulus. And what we will be able to do is if we get direct federal support, we'll be able to go back to some of the cuts, go back to some of the savings that we had to make in our stimulus or in our budget and reverse them. 
And it really is a question of just how direct is the money? How much is it? And that will determine how quick our recovery is because we can take that money and invest it in so many different ways. One of the questions people have asked about the impact of COVID-19 on New York City is how much it's changed kind of the underlying rules of the game, like beyond the immediate tragic impact of lost lives and lost income and people being knocked out of jobs. How much has this reshaped our economy in terms of changed the culture of office work, uh, changed patterns in population? Uh, and I guess one question people have raised is, does the mayor's budget reflect any thinking on that in terms of, you know, does the city need to change long term how it is budgeting, how it's it's spending? Um, you know, by some estimates, the the city funded part of the budget actually increases three percent from um, from this year to next. Um, do you think it's making those kind of hard choices, saying that this is a this is going to be a different city? Yeah, so it, it does make a lot of hard choices. I, I think you have to look at this budget, look at the crisis that we just faced and say, you know, what's the big problem here? What you saw was a pandemic that. It didn't reveal, but certainly underlined an incredible disparity that we saw in this city and this country. You need to have a budget that puts us on a path to recovery, and that recovery has to be one that is fair, just, and addresses those inequalities directly. So I would say, you know, to your question, does this reflect the new reality of New York City? The budget's not trying to just reflect that. It's trying to shape it. And it's trying to shape a, a future in New York City where working people actually have a chance, where communities of color that were hit hardest by COVID-19 not only have a chance to bounce back, but actually be healthier in the long run. Uh, we make a lot of investments in education. We make a lot of investments in healthcare directly. Um, some of it COVID directly related. Some of it's just public health funding that we know we're going to need for the future. Um, all of that is to create a city that's more just and more fair. Uh, I'm not saying that we're ignoring the different things that happen across the city, people working from home, uh, a lot of office spaces being empty. In fact, you'll see in our budget that we call for a rebate um, for many homeowners in the city, uh, low-income homeowners, if you will, uh, who are being hit by, uh, you know, property tax assessments. I'm getting really wonky here, but it's just to kind of reflect these changes and behaviors uh, led to working people, led to low-income people getting even harder hit. And we need to reverse that. We need to address that. That's what we attempted to do in the budget. And I think succeeded. So one of the things that um, Governor Cuomo talked about, and I think a lot of people in, in our area have framed it this way, is that New York has been uniquely impacted by this crisis. Um, and, and that mm -hmm. drives the governor's request for $15 billion from the federal government. As, as we look around us, though, we're now seeing, you know, in, in April and, and May, certainly New York City was the epicenter, absolutely. But we're now seeing, you know, Texas dealing with massive amounts of hospitalizations and deaths. Uh, California is back in a tremendous crisis. Obviously, the country's losing 4,000 people a day. Do you think there's still a case to be made that New York City is uniquely a victim of COVID-19, both on the health and the fiscal side? Or are we having a lot of company in our misery? And is that going to complicate our request for federal help, either on the vaccine side or the fiscal side? We we do have a lot of company uh, in in 
the trauma that we've experienced. Uh, it's horrible. It's it was completely preventable. Um, there was a first wave that hit America, and it hit right here in New York City. The rest of the country should have saw what we did to push that curve down and to stop COVID, take those lessons. Unfortunately, we had federal and state leadership across the country that completely failed to recognize what we did, and we're now paying the horrible price for that. But I will say the the uniqueness of New York, if you will, um, remains. And it's not just because we were the first place that hit it. Oh, Bill, you dropped out there. Kind of remarkable to think about. Um, but it also is the fact that the federal government needs to look at what they're doing here and not just respond to COVID, but try to drive a recovery nationally and also try to address the inequalities that they see across the country. If you want to drive economic recovery in America, you need to fuel America's economic engine. That is New York City. It's very clear when you just look at the macroeconomics of it. Uh, I, I heard the state senator on earlier who she was talking about, you know, how that we are a donor state, if you will, and contribute so much to the federal budget. It's not just that. We contribute an incredible amount to the national economy. If you want to see a national economic comeback, you must see a New York City comeback, a New York State comeback for that matter. So those two things right there keep us unique, keep us in the front burner. Hey, Bill, it's Ben. Just jumping in for one final question and then we'll let you go. Oh, Um, hit me, Ben. Let's go. I'm waiting for this. Come on. so I, I, following up on sort of what might be coming out of um, Washington under the new administration, the new Congress, mm-hmm. is the de Blasio administration trying to do anything specific in this next bill that ensures money for New York City is more protected for New York City and doesn't all go yeah. through New York State? You hit on one of the big things. Someone was uh, uh, just asking me today, actually, you know, how much do you want? What kind of money do you want? And I said, it almost all doesn't matter if it's not direct. The direct Hmm. funding is really the key to this stimulus. So the Biden team, uh, they proposed this uh, stimulus package, $350 billion in uh, state and local aid. They have not released what they call the formula for that yet. Uh, We joined in with mayors from across the country to write them a letter and say, hey, we know we've been here before. There's some formulas and past uh, bills that have done it better than others. The HEROES Act, which was passed by the House uh, months ago, uh, had a really good formula that directly gave to cities because they know federal aid going directly to cities can implement that money quicker, uh, more equitably, uh, and and just more justly. And... Mm -hmm. That is exactly what we're asking for here. We do not have that uh, formula yet, but I got to tell you, the direct nature of this aid is such a key part of this stimulus package. Uh, It's overwhelming. Got it. All right. Well, we will let you go. We appreciate the time. Uh, Bill Needhart is the press secretary for Mayor Bill de Blasio. Thanks for joining us, Bill. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, you know, I wanted to sign off uh, WBAI here by just going over the seven words that you guys uh, so nicely <laughs> broadcasted back in the 70s. <laughs> it's, it was an honor to be on, and uh, let's do it again soon. All right. Sounds good, Bill. Jared, uh, <laughs> 
Jared, a couple of interesting conversations with State Senator Liz Kruger, who obviously has a, a powerful Albany perch, and then Bill Needhart, the mayor's press secretary, from the perspective from City Hall as we inaugurate a new president and vice president today and, and welcome in uh, New York Senator Chuck Schumer as majority leader of the, of the Senate. Uh, any big takeaways from what we've heard today? I think the last point, that was an excellent question you asked, was, was a really good one relevant to both interviews and to both of the plans that we're kind of talking about the vaccine issue and the fiscal one, which is that, you know, the city has needs. Uh, the state is constitutionally superior to the city, typically is the front door through which money or other stuff comes. And there's been this very tense interplay throughout this crisis, about obviously, among the city, state and federal government in terms of most recently, who was going to get the vaccine next uh, kind of fight between the mayor and governor and obviously over funding and whether it goes through Albany and gets held up there and never makes it down here. So I think that's something to keep in mind is that this is not just about New York versus uh, the Capitol in Washington. This is also about how New York treats its its municipalities, the largest and for us, of course, most important of which is New York City. Yeah, indeed. I mean, I you know, um, one of the most important things I think to watch will be some of how uh, what Chuck Schumer is able to do as majority leader, you know, Brooklyn's own, New York's own, you know, what he's able to do and how he's able to navigate, obviously, now his his broad national role, his role leading the Senate. And especially the Senate Democrats and trying to herd, you know, that group, which has obviously a, a wide diversity of perspectives and voices. But then also he now has to really navigate um, in, a, in a way he hasn't ever before. Uh, Governor Andrew Cuomo, Mayor Bill de Blasio and all of the dynamics uh, there as well. So particularly interesting from our perch as we cover city and state, you know, politics and government so closely and watch as, you know, the, the battles over the details of this next package come through that will be determined, obviously, in part by the Biden-Harris administration, but also by the House and the Senate. And again, with the Senate margin at 50-50, tiebreaker from uh, Vice President Harris, uh, you know, every one of those 50 matters a lot. So it'll be very interesting to watch. Have a great week in the greatest city in the world.